0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: Well, I've got a whole lot of sermon and a whole little time. Can I preach? All right. I'll tell you what, uh, Father, we thank you for this day. I sense you're doing something in this room, and I I thank you, Lord, for uh, all the opportunities you do have for us. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Father, speak to us clearly today, change who we are, change our lives, and let your word root inside of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, again, I am delighted that you're here today. We're going to open our Bibles to the book of the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. This is our our thir- fourth, third, fourth something week, fourth week in this this series uh, on, of divine. We're going to go to the fourth chapter. <clears throat> We're going to end up in the sixth verse here in just a a few minutes today. We've had a lot of fun in this series so far. I've been blown away by the response uh, 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 from such as a book we don't normally go to to find the truths that God's speaking to us through the Song of Songs. Quickly back through what we've learned so far. The first week we talked about the fact that there's a love story that unfolds in this passage. In this, this we have all the good components of the love story. We have the people who find each other and make each other complete. And in this story, there's a king who represents Christ, and there's a Shulamite, and that means a bride. This is one, and the only way you could be called a Shulamite is if you're made whole by the king. So to be able to become this person, she had to be chosen by the king, which represents us. How many of you know we've been made whole by the king? Can I get an amen? amen. And so then we, we, the next week, we, we actually uh, had a, a group of young ladies here that had been rescued from uh, human trafficking, and we realized that God had changed the song of their heart. And then the third week, we ended up hearing that God's singing about us and that we need to allow God's song to reverberate within who we are. And now we're down to the fourth week. And as we come to this fourth chapter, this fourth week, I really hope that you can, you can get uh, what God's trying to say to us. Now, look. Many of you know that my, my wife and daughter flew out of town this week and she's gone. So uh, this morning, I, I didn't have anybody to look at me and say, are you going to wear that? <laughs> Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. Hey Amen. Are you going to wear that? It's sort of like the other day. I, I've saved uh, these shirts. Uh, I've saved a few shirts. How many of you just have a shirt that whenever you're just exhausted, you want to wrap up in that shirt? Does anybody? Yeah. Well, I've saved one of those from like 90 pounds ago. Okay. And so it's like three or four times bigger than than the shirt I have on now. And and the other day I went and put that shirt on and I thought, you know, I'm just going to be laying around and, and and so not that big a deal. And I know it's big and, and and it's, you know, but okay. So I I put it on and I come out and as I come out uh, of the room, Christina looks at me and she looks at me and she says, are you going to wear that? And I was thinking, oh, it's just way too big. She said, yeah, it's getting a little tight on you. You probably don't want to wear that. I thought, it's four times bigger than the shirt I just took off. Let me just tell you, sometimes we wear things that don't look good on us. Sometimes we wear things that we probably shouldn't wear. There are things like this, garments of shame. We put bondages around our necks we put regret and we wear it upon our shoulders. We, we put all these banners that people have labeled us with and we wear these things. And to be honest with you, we really need somebody to look at us and say, are you going to wear that? Matter of fact, could, just, just for fun, uh, you can't offend anybody, just look at the neighbor, your neighbor and say, are you going to wear that? They're like, why? What, what's wrong? Well, I want you to get through this message today that there's some certain things That you need to stop wearing. Now here was where we find ourselves in the story. Last week when we ended, this young bride-to-be has has heard this this song singing in her heart, and she started singing back. And so we find ourselves in this fourth chapter of uh, uh, of the book of, of the Song of Solomon, the book of Song of Songs. As we find ourselves here, it's coming to a very pivotal moment because in in the song she's heard uh, this 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 proposal. I don't know if you remember back to when the proposals came in your life. You know, everybody nowadays is a little different. When I when I when I proposed to Christina, I, I took her somewhere where nobody else was around, and I, I because if she said no, I didn't want anybody to see it. But Nowadays. They gather their friends, and the photographers, and the families, and gather, you know, actually a few weeks ago, I, I it was early, early in the morning, and I hear a, a, something at the door, and I look, and, and it's one of our young interns from the church here, and they're standing at the door, and they're, they're peering in the window, and they've got Chick-fil-A bag like this going, I'm like, what are you doing in my house? And my daughter rushes by me right fast, and she, said, she, said, she says, she's here to get her makeup fixed. And I said, why? And she said, she doesn't know it, but she's getting engaged today. I was like, so she's at the house to get her makeup fixed, but she she suspected something was up. Let me just tell you, when you suspect something's up and you start realizing that something's coming down the pipe, you want to be prepared. Well, in this story, this woman has finally figured out that, hey, he's really been trying to tell me he loves me. And here is her response. Verse number six, Passion Translation reads like this. I've made up my mind... Until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. Now, every time I've read that in all of the services that has grabbed me, and I've not stopped yet, but is that not beautiful? Look, I've made up my mind. Even though things aren't perfect, my mind is settled. Until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come, in spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you. Listen to what mountain it is. The mountain of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. How powerful. In this passage, this bride, this one who's made whole by the king, says, okay, I hear your song, and I know things aren't going to be perfect, and I know I'm not perfect, and I, I know that, 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 that I'll never be everything that I think you deserve for me to be, but guess what? I'm coming to the mountain of love. And I thought it was interesting what it called the mountain there. It called it the mountain of suffering love. And I need you to understand this. Before you can ever embrace the true love of God, you're going to have to go to Calvary. You're going to have to come to the place to where Jesus gave his life for you. And you're going to have to realize that he did that because he loves you. He did that because he treasures you. He did that because you are the one that he adores. And you're going to have to live in the hope of the, of the crucifixion of Christ and what it brings to you. Now the word tells us in Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20, it says this about that, that hill called Calvary. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I went to the hill of love and I died to who I was there. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in the earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's awesome. It says, I have finally made up my mind. I'm yours. You know what I tell Christina? I tell her she made one great mistake in life, and that was saying yes to me. And I told her I'm never letting her out of it. You see, sometimes I feel like we think God's made a mistake by choosing us. We're like, okay, God, I know I'm not perfect, but I'll ascend to this place and I'll believe what you said about me. And God, I'm going to love you, but but please don't ever come to your senses, God. Do you know how he responds? Here's the problem. I think we forget who's in the story. I've told you like four times already today, but we forget that there's a bride and there's a king and the bride is you. The bride is who? Bride Bride is us. The bride is who? It's us. We're the bride. There's a bride and there's a king and the king is Jesus. So this is conversation and song going on between Jesus and us. And and we say, okay, finally, Lord, it's me. Yes, yes, I will trust you. And then all of a sudden, the God of the universe, the King of glory, Jesus Christ himself responds. Now, now, before you get that in the wrong perspective, I don't want you to see him as a a mere carpenter. I don't want to see you as a man just, just sitting by the seashore. I want you to see him that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... God. I want you to see and realize who is responding to you. It's not someone that, that, that is, is weak and, and lowly. It's he that is the lion of the tribe of Judah that has triumphed. It's the God of the universe who, when he spoke, the universe came into being. It's the God who, when Satan and a third of all of those armies of heaven rose up against him, he didn't even have to raise his hand to deal with them. The Bible says that he just, boom, dealt with them with a finger, with a finger. So you know he's great. <laughs> he's awesome. We're not. We make mistakes. Ooh, that's a good segue right there. Amen. We say things that shouldn't be said. Look what he says. Look what this awesome God says. He's amazing. We are not. And we say, okay, I'll marry you, God. And he says, ready for this? Every part of you is beautiful my darling. My family, dad didn't really use darling that much unless he was mad at mom. Come on now, darling. But darling, listen to what he says. He says, perfect your beauty without flaw within. He says, I see how beautiful you are. Some of you feel disqualified already, but God says, no, 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 no. You're beautiful. I want you to get this. Okay. For who's talking? God. Who's talking? God's talking. Who's he talking to? Us. Us. For you reach into my heart. This is what God says. He says, with one flash of your eyes, I am undone. (laughs) Guys, you can steal that line from God. you have a really great text to your spouse this week. (laughs) For with one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal. How many of you know you're joint heirs with Christ? My bride. Listen to what God says. I've had a lot of people leave me speechless, but God says, you leave me breathless. God says that about... You, he, watch this. I am overcome by merely a glance—a glance of your worshiping eyes. God says all it takes is for you to start worshiping, and you mess me up. Does that not excite you a little bit? God says all it takes is for you for me to see a glance. Do you know you can't even get saved without worship? What do you mean, Pastor? You have to be willing to lower yourself and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in order for you to confess who he is, you've got to lift him up and you've got to acknowledge who he's become. And so without words, God says, it was just one glimpse of worship in your eyes and it's all over from there. Listen to this. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love. God says, you've got me. Does that not excite you? That God says, you're going, but I'm just afraid that God, God will get tired of me. No, God said, no, 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 no. You got me. I, you've caught me. I'm held hostage by your love and by, notice this, the graces of righteousness shining upon you. The graces of righteousness shining upon you. I want you to catch this. Let me just ask you a really, really important question, okay? Let's talk about that word righteousness, to be right with God, to be justified by faith in God, to be righteous, to be holy, to be in the right place with God. I just want to ask you an honest question today. If you are righteous, okay, if you're righteous, would you just lift your hand in here today? Half of you. The other half are not sure. That's the largest percent out of all the first service. There were three people who said, Yep, I'm righteous. Three. Yeah, I'm righteous. Let me ask you a question for the half of you who who didn't say that you were righteous just then. Let me let me ask you this question. Um, is God a liar? Come on now. let, Let me hear everybody. Is God a liar? God is not a liar. So my question for you is, are you righteous? And half of you are like, eh, not today. (laughs) If you had asked me last Sunday, woo, but you don't know what kind of a weekend I had. See, the problem is this. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a liar. And according to Romans, listen to me, according to Romans chapter 5, this is what has been declared over you. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 says this, having been declared righteous. So my question to you again is, are you righteous? And I want you to understand, if you have been to the mountain of the Lord and bowed your knee and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, that God no longer looks at you and sees your sin, now God looks at you and he says, "Whoa, you are Beautiful. He looks at you and says, I see, watch this, I see the graces of righteousness upon you. Now the King James says this a little bit differently, and I want to take you back to that, that verse in the King James there for just a moment. It says this, it says that God says, you caught me with a glance of your eyes and that a, a jewel of your necklace, there was a sparkle on the jewel of your necklace that caught his attention. You have stolen my heart with one glass of your eyes and with one jewel of your necklace, that, 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 that what I looked at when I saw you, it, what your wearing that looks good on you. See, I have to ask you, are you going to keep wearing that shame? Are you going to keep wearing that pain? Are you going to keep wearing that regret? Are you going to find your way to Calvary, bow your knee and realize that God takes all of that junk off of you and he roams you in righteousness and he puts grace around your neck? So that when God looks at you, he's not looking at all your faults and all your failures and all your struggles. He sees who you're going to become. He says, I look at you and you're beautiful. I know you're working on perfecting on what's inside of you, but I see the grace that lays over your heart, that that necklace of grace that's on a robe of righteousness. Now, I'm getting kind of excited, and I'm sorry I'm getting a little fired up here, but I'm tired and tired and tired and tired and tired of people going, I just didn't do good this week. You can't do good enough to please Jesus Christ. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ, and he has called you beautiful and lovely and righteous. I want you to get this. You need to realize who you are in Christ you see, most of us run around and we're in this constant state of, uh, of forgiveness because, God forbid, I didn't, I, I didn't pray right last night and, and God show up and then I don't go with Jesus. God forbid that, that I, I didn't check some little thing off. and We act like grace is a debit out of our checking account. Have you ever had to look and see, do I have enough to spend before I spend this? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We act that way with grace. We act like God gave you a certain measure of grace, and we're just hoping that we die before it runs out. Because I know I'm blowing through it really, really fast. Is that anybody else understand what I'm talking about? I know I'm messing up, and I need his grace a lot. I need his grace a lot. I need his grace a lot. But here's the problem. His grace is eternal. What did, what did the other part of Romans there tell us? It, it tells us that, that, listen to me, that God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing, making us righteous with God and resulting in eternal, how long? Eternal life, infinite life, infinite grace. God's grace is sufficient for you. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So that instead of feeling like you should shrink back and say, God, I'm afraid you're going to realize you made a mistake with me. Instead, you need to realize that God's grace is infinite for you. That God doesn't look at you judging you for all your faults and failures this week. He's glad. Listen, I love what one of our older saints in the church posted this morning. I was so excited about it because they said, God's not looking for perfectionism. He's looking for persistence. God didn't call you to not make a mistake. God called you to grow in Him. And as you're growing in Him, your yesterday's mistakes, will you'll leave them behind. And you'll start moving forward into a better place. I want you to get this. I want you to understand. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. Every time I look in a mirror, all I see is my faults and my problems and my struggles. And I see the scars and the stains of sin. But you don't understand. God's not looking in a mirror. He's looking in your heart. And in your heart, he sees hope and joy that he planted there. And he's cultivating it into something better. I want you to get this. But see, you're still stuck in math class. How many of you swore you'd never use algebra after high school? How many of you in high school swear you'll never use it after high school? Well, here's some algebra for you. Infinity minus a finite number is equal to something. So what is infinity minus 10,000? Infinity minus 10,000 is what? Infinity. Infinity. Because you can't take an infinite thing and take something finite from it and it degrade or, 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 or remove anything from infinity. God's love for you is not a ticking time bomb waiting for you to mess up. God's love for you is the pouring in of grace to help you stop messing up. And I want you to get that today. I've been so excited this week to be able to come and ask you those two simple questions. How many of you are righteous? Because almost everybody asked that, are you righteous? They went, well, no, you're righteous. You're either going to run around talking about, Lord, please forgive me, Lord, I did it again, I did it again. That's what we talked about in the beginning of this series. God, I've sinned day after day after day after day. Or you're going to come to the place that you realize I shouldn't have done what I just did, but, but that's not who I am anymore. I am not the person who lives that way. I am not going to be the person who lives that way. I am now a blood-bought child of the living King. I have been bought with a price. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, and I am the righteousness in Christ, Scripture says. Some of you have a hard time saying that, though, because you're wearing the wrong thing. And I'm going to be honest with you, you shouldn't wear that. It's looking a little tight on you. It looks like it's trying to squeeze the life out of you. It looks like what you thought from yesterday was going to bring you comfort today. You don't really wear that anymore. Because now you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But Pastor Don, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, 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 no. You don't understand what he's given you. Infinite grace. Infinite love. Let me just hurry because uh, y'all are looking at me like, Preacher, the chicken's getting cold. Don't make me sing to you. Come on now. Amazing grace. You know, there's a fifth verse of that that the original author didn't write. But it's this kind of truth about grace that we need. It says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I need you to understand that God's grace is glorious. We don't deserve it and we cannot earn it. And it recklessly chases us. God's grace is glorious. Pastor Don, I, I don't want to use grace as an excuse to sin. Well, the book of Titus gives us some great truths. And I'm going to give them a minute to, to find this. But if, if, if in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Let me just tell you, you didn't earn this. And we are instructed to turn from godless living. We've been given grace, so we need to stop living like there is no God. And sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our Lord, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Because He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, and to make us his very own people, totally committed, listen to me, to doing good deeds. Can I tell you that because of grace, everything changes. You see, we don't obey God to be blessed. I want you to get this. I want you to get this truth. We're blessed, so therefore we obey. We're not trying to earn grace. We've been given grace. Obedience is not, listen to me, is not the means to a right relationship with God. I want you to get this. But obedience, rather, is the fruit of a right relationship with God. Do you get that? Because of who you are in Christ, that's what changes your life. Stop trying to punish yourself enough that maybe you'll be better and start accepting the fact that God calls you better. You see, right conduct does not produce righteousness. Rather, righteousness produces right conduct. You need to begin to know who you are. Because who you are is not who you were. Can anybody be thankful for that? Who you are is not who you were. I'll tell you what, I'll close with this story today. Just a simple story, but it was about a man who impacted my family very greatly, impacted my life as a young boy. My, my dad was able to, to be with this man as, as he passed on from this world. And, and, and this man, I shared briefly with our Bible college the other night about his story, just briefly, but, but this man had, had lived for Fridays. And every Friday when he got paid, he went down to the liquor store and he filled his trunk full of as much alcohol as he could buy and didn't worry about food for his family, didn't worry about taking care of people, but he took that alcohol home. And this man, his name was Frank, and Frank would begin to drink that alcohol. He would get as drunk as he could get before the weekend was through, and during that weekend, the 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 hell that he would unleash on his family was unbelievable. His little wife's name was Kohatha. And Kohatha had really, really long hair, and she she worshipped God down at the local church of God. And and he looked at her one weekend and he said, I you know I hate you going to that church, and I hate you for going to that church. And she said, Well, I'm going to church. And Frank looked at Kohath and he said, if you go to church today, I'm going to come and I'm going to pull you out of that church and I'm going to kill you out in front of that church. She went on to church. Frank said he continued to sit there and get drunk as he could get. The matter he got, the drunker he was, and he stumbled down that road. He said, I had every intention. That, that was my plan. That was the day she was going to die. He said He walked. Up the little path to that church. And he stumbled up that path. And he said, The moment my foot, he said, the moment my foot stepped on the step, the stone out in front of that old building, he said, I went sober as I could be. And he said, I heard a voice from heaven and said, You take another step and I'll kill you right here. They asked the preacher to come outside. He gave his life to Christ sobered immediately life given to christ and he started preaching the gospel the next sunday morning frank traveled the world as an army chaplain preaching the gospel rose up into leadership in his denomination and frank later in life he was diagnosed with terminal cancer well the only man that he would allow to take care of him was my dad his little wife couldn't help him get, get up and down, and my dad would go over and help take care of Frank. And Frank sat my dad down one day, and he said, let me tell you what's happened to me. He said, as I know I'm dying, even though I've preached this gospel all of these years, he said, every sin that I committed against my wife, every sin that I committed against my children, every time I curse God, every one of those sins it just keeps pouring into my heart, and I've repented and I've cried and I want to be right with God. And I don't, I didn't know what to do. And I've been calling on God because it's just all, I've got it all around me. And he said, so God spoke to me the other day. And he said, he said, God told me to write down every sin that I had ever committed. How many of you think that'd take a lot of paper? Come on, man. amen. He said, I wrote down every sin I committed, just pages. I wrote down every sin that I could think of. And he said, God told me to to fold it up and just put it in my pocket. He said, I was carrying them around with me anyways. So I just folded them up and put them in my pocket. He said, I kept crying out to God over the next few days. And I kept saying, God, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know what your word says, but God, I... I did so much bad. And he said, God said, take that paper out of your pocket. And he said, I reached down into my pocket and pulled out the paper and expected to rehearse my sins. He said, but as I looked and I began to unfold those pages, they had gone translucent. And they were like onion paper. Remember onion paper? They were like onion paper. And he said, there was no writing left on them. And he said, God spoke to me and said, that's how I see you. You are forgiven. You are clean. Can I tell you today, that sin doesn't look good on you. It doesn't fit right. That's not who you are anymore. You are forgiven. You are clean. If you would begin to live in that truth, you wouldn't stumble as often and as frequently as you do. If you would begin to realize that when God looks at you, he sees beauty. He sees the one he died for and that he loves.